I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Watford Buzz Podcast, a podcast about Watford Football Club, where we bring you news, tactical analysis and have a good old natter about the topic that we love the most, Watford Football Club. My name is Matt Messiano and on this week's episode we'll be discussing that all-important looting game with Watford Observer journalist Ryan Gray and then we'll be taking a visit north to find out if the derby is just as important to the Hatters fans as it is to the Hornets fans. But before that we're going to touch on Watford's most recent performances against both Sheffield Wednesday last Saturday and then in the third round of the Caribou Cup on Tuesday against Newport County. And to join me in that discussion I'm delighted to be joined by sports journalist from the Watford Observer Ryan Gray. Ryan, I hope you're well and uh, I hope you're enjoying your evening. Uh, I am. Thanks very much, Matthew. Thanks for thanks for having me. Delighted. Well, I'll start with the cup fixture. Then this is the most recent in our memory, and there's a there's a few disappointments. It has to be said, but let's try and find some positives too. First of all, Ryan, you was at the game. What, what did you think of it? Well, it, it was uh, not the best way to spend uh, a Tuesday evening. Put it that way: a long drive <laughs> to to South Wales and back to to watch a three one drubbing isn't. Uh, you know, not my idea of fun, but uh, the, as you say, <laughs> there were not many, as I imagine. one or one or two positives to to pick upon. I think. Yeah, a couple of players I thought that did well, and it was hard, it was hard to find some. But I, I thought Backman had another solid game in goal, and I was also impressed by the new Man United loanee Garner as well. He looked pretty good as well. But what did, what did you think of of the game in general, and any players that stood out for you? Um, well, the one you've mentioned there, Garner. I think he looks a, a real positive player in amongst, you know, what was a, a, a bad game all round for for most. I think um, just just his his passing, and you know, it, it was a shame that most of the passes he completed were sort of instantly given away by other players. But uh, he, um, he he definitely seems like he has a, a bit about him. His, his set piece delivery is really really positive and better than what was on offer before he can certainly beat the first man which has always been a bit of a problem in recent years certainly for Watford and uh, hopefully he'll be someone who once he acclimatizes to the team and, and the group you know will will offer a, a real threat in the championship yeah he really seemed to to, to, to nail those passes and he, he looked good in, in the midfield area as well and he, he's starting to create a good partnership but it's, it's wondering who's who's going to be the player to partner him it, Nathaniel Chalabop had a had a pretty decent second half against Sheffield Wednesday. Do you think he could be be the man to partner on? I think he could be. Um, 
it depends what happens with Will Hughes if if he comes back and once he's fit, I'm sure he's you know given the given the evidence that that Chalabar has provided in the the early stages of this season, he, he was okay in that second half against Sheffield Wednesday, but hasn't been you know certainly the player we know he can be. Mm. Um, so I would say that you know the 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 position is definitely there for the taking should should Hughes stay and I, I think Hughes probably will stay um and so I, I think it's up to to him or, or Tom Cleverley perhaps to to make that position their own and and Chalabar maybe has a bit to prove before he can he can call the the position his against Newport it it, it was a pretty dire affair for the, for the, for most of the first half but it, it seemed to change when when Glenn Murray came off and, and Pariccia came on, do you think that that was that's a fair comment? And is that because of a different style of play or, or anything else? You think they, they switched to a it looked like a four-two-three-one. They switched to and one player who really benefited from that was uh, Passetto. He started in the fullback position and defensively he was sort of all over the place. Um, and he, you know, he won the penalty that Watford scored and he looked a lot more. Um, Dangerous and, and, and threatening after that happened, um, but as you say, Glenn Murray coming off was was also a big turning point. He, for whatever reason, just hasn't had a good start to his life at Watford, and he, you know, it was one of the experienced heads that I think Ivic was relying on last night to sort of help the uh, help the younger players out, and it, it just really didn't happen for him. Talking about penalties, that first penalty the Watford conceded that was a bit of a, a dubious one, wasn't it? But uh... I mean, it looked as though, to be fair, they could have had a penalty a lot earlier with a, a, a quite a clear handball from Passetto. So maybe in the end, justice was done. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, the the standard of refereeing is always not as good in in the uh, in these competitions and, and the lower down you, the the pyramid you get. But you know, he he did give the referee a decision to make, and and you you can't really do that in uh, in games like this, and it's. Stevenson, I was uh, really impressed with him at Oxford. I thought, as an, uh, an attacking mm. asset, he was really good at getting forward, and especially some of his crosses and his deliveries, particularly from deeper, were, were really causing problems. But he just didn't have that to his game last night, and you know, defensively, he he did struggle against the, the more physical aspects that Newport certainly had, and it certainly seemed to be their game plan, and, and it really worked for them. Just. Being being a lot stronger and, and bullying Watford. Yeah, it's a shame that he didn't um, have as bigger impact against Newport as he did against Oxford because he, he was putting some really easy crosses in. One in particular that Pariccia just managed to head against the bar. But you know, he looks like he could potentially be an answer for Watford on that left wing back side if uh, if 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 they can't seem to um, to get a regular in that position. Currently, Ken Semmer is kind of the the first man in that position at the minute, and he played that position last season as well at Udinese and, but are you confident about him in that position? Um, I'm as confident as, as I am with anyone else in the squad um, <laughs> I mean it is a, a position that Ivic has said before that he wants to, to bring someone in there he wants two people for each position and at the minute you know Stevenson it's a, it's a big gamble if they do decide to rely on him certainly and I think they will want to bring somebody else in Um but I, I do understand that that's why Semmer wasn't there last night, and certainly why they uh, decided to to go with just the uh, the six substitutes instead of bringing a seventh, just because they didn't want to risk bringing first team players. 
talking about transfers, I mean, most of the transfer news we're hearing at the minute is all about players that could possibly be leaving. But I mean, what, what's the latest with 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 um with with Saar? Do you think that that he, that he could leave, or, or is it really touch and go? With, with Saar, it's um, the conversations I've I've <clears throat> sorry, the conversations I've been having with with people at the club are they they really don't want to sell him and, and more importantly they don't need to sell him there you know they've already raised a fair bit of, of income through Decore through Estupinian um and so you know Sar is a player they spent a lot of money on last season he's still got four years left on his contract they certainly won't sell him for less than they bought him for and and you know a, a couple of papers were quoting that 40 million might sign him but I'd, I can't see that being enough to be honest and I think it is one that um, obviously there's a lot of interest in him because of the the level of player he is and, and his age. He's still got a lot of you know developing to do, and, and he will improve even more and become a, an even better player. So there's there's no surprise that there is all these links with with Liverpool and Manchester United, and you know those those clubs are interested. But as as of yet, as certainly is as I understand it from the conversations I've had with people at the club. There's been no concrete offer yet. There's been no actual formal offer for him, and until one comes in of a, a very sizable, you know, quantity, then then Watford aren't going to sell him. The I don't think they would be interested in a loan. I think it would have to be just mm. you know a huge sum of money, take it or leave it, and and you know that it's very much a, a transfer that they they hold all the cards with it. I think. Yeah, and, and and I mean, if he could get a start in the championship, just how good he could be at this level in particular. I mean, I think he would he would really scare some teams. Absolutely, I, mean, I think he he could very much be the difference between you know two or three positions in the table. I really think he could be that good if he's playing regularly, and you know, by by all accounts, it seems like he might or is likely to play this weekend. I don't think they'd have put that statement out that they released earlier today, um, saying that he was definitely is definitely available for Saturday were he not expected to play some part. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be speaking to Vladimirovich tomorrow at his press conference. I'm sure Saar will come up, as it usually does, as a subject. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Ivich must be getting very annoyed about answering the same question over and over again, wasn't he? Yeah, he he does seem to be growing tired of explaining the situation and a little bit tired of the situation itself. He's he said on a number of occasions that you know he would much prefer to have the transfer window already closed by now. He's he's very annoyed yeah. by the fact that he's not going to know his his final squad until over a month into the season. And well, I think that's you know, agree with that. He's he's a new coach coming into a new club and he's trying to implement his philosophy and his style of play and you know he's not going to have all his players until the middle of October it's not an ideal situation for him to be in and you know for him to constantly be asked questions about it I think he you know you can understand why he's uh, getting a, a bit irked by certainly by having to explain the situation if not the situation itself. And, and another one that he, he keeps having to answer is, is the, the case of Troy Deeney and whether He's going to be uh, leaving, or if he's going to be staying. As, as far as we know, it seems like he could potentially be available for the Luton game as well. But but what, what what's the latest that you've heard on that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'd say it's the same with Saar. But I don't think the club would have put that 
or mentioned him in that statement earlier, had had they not at least been expecting him to play some part, whether that'll be off the bench or from the from the start of the game. But um it's it's a really difficult one with Deeney because it's you know he clearly sees himself as a, a Premier League player. He's he's said on a number of occasions that that's the standard that he feels he's at. He said it when they were when the club were relegated, he said it in the recent interview that he did with the Sun that he feels he's still capable of cutting it at that level and uh, mm. you know whether or not that's right is you know up to up to different opinions but you know he's um his situation is is one yeah. that centers i think around his his age and his fitness and there are all these factors to take into and how much a premier league would or how much he would be expected to earn at a Premier League club, and you know whether or not they're willing to take a gamble on him. Um, as as I understand it, no one is willing to at the moment. There were there were links with West Brom, um, but I think he's quite low down on their list of priorities. I think Carlin Grant is a lot higher up, or certainly was when when I last spoke to people who who cover West Brom. Um, and I, th- I think okay. I think even you know, on that on that on Andre Gray is a, a target, or at least on their list of people who they might be interested in. I think they'd be more inclined to to go for him over Dini simply because of his age and 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 fitness and things like that. So it's a difficult situation for Dini because he obviously sees himself as higher than the Championship, but you know no no Premier League clubs have willing to to make that move yet and there's there's still time and obviously the the um domestic transfer window is longer than the uh, the international one so there is still you know almost a month for him to to get that move should he should he want it and he might see the next few weeks as a chance to put himself in the shop window a bit you know um yeah, maybe yeah, maybe true. show that he he is still capable or that he he can still do it and and you know that's that's still very much up in the air whether he stays or goes and I think it will be and uh, that'll be one that will rumble on until the transfer window closes. And with Preach is sending off uh, on Tuesday night it, it may open up a space on the bench that uh, that Dini might be put on to because um, I mean you'd be thinking that potentially he's lacking a bit of match fitness but um, there are positions on that bench I think at the minute that, that he could come on and, 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 and feel maybe even start the game possibly but I'm not, I'm not sure if he would if he'd be in line for starting or not. I mean, what do you think about that one? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it was a it was a poor error, uh, poor error of ju- error of judgment from Parizza the other night, and and mm. you know it's it's not did what you, you want to see. Did you, did you see it pretty clearly? Was it a sending off? Do you think? I was sort of down at the other end of the ground, um, so I, oh. I I've not I, I didn't really see it, and I've not watched it back either. Uh, I have to confess, you know, it, it wasn't exactly one that I was itching to to see the highlights. No, from, um, <laughs> no, so I, had to, uh, I had to grin and bear watching it. Yeah, so I, I haven't watched it back, but um, you know, whether whether he meant it or not, Ivic seemed pretty uh, pretty clear that he didn't think it was intentional. But it's mm. happened. They've, they've without him for three games now, and there, there is an opening there for someone to to come in. It, can't be Suarez. I don't think he's ready yet because of his 
coronavirus and obviously the timeline around that seems quite interesting because there's pictures of him at training and things like that but the club yeah, that scene... one looked a bit strange didn't it? <laughs> so um convenient yeah or, or or is it actually something i mean obviously it's it's distressing whenever you hear that somebody has uh has become ill with the coronavirus but uh, it, it, perhaps he, he managed to just I mean, you know, he's obviously a very fit player, a lot fitter than uh, than you and me. Mate, I'm not sure if fitness comes into it, but uh, perhaps he was able to shrug it off pretty quickly. I don't know, but I wish him the very best, and and hopefully he's he's back and he's recovered now, and and he can get himself back into into contention. If indeed he is being viewed as as being a, a player who who could be utilised by Watford this season, and, and not someone who's going to be uh, transferred out of the club, I think it'd be a real shame if they they transferred him because he is. Someone who I'd I'd really like to to see, given a given a go, and mm. whether or not he wants to be there, I think is the key for for Suarez because Ivic has has made it clear on a number of occasions now that he only wants people playing for him who want to be at the club, and that's definitely the right attitude to have. You don't want any anyone there who doesn't want to be there. It's not good for that player, and it's not good for the club. Um, mm. Scott Duxbury said it as well in, in that statement that he released not too long ago, and yeah, it's a it is a, a very good philosophy to have for running a football club. So it's it's I think it's down to Suarez, and I think it's down to him assessing his options. Of course, Gino Pozzo, we know what he's like. He won't sell a player for for less than he deems him to be worth. So it's <laughs> it's a shrewd character in the transfer market, isn't he? He, you know? he certainly is, and it, it's you know it's worked well for Watford in terms of bringing money in so far. Um, with with Decore and Estupinian, um, I think that one's gone under the radar a little bit. Estupinian because it's a player in the the last year of his contract, and to get fifteen million for him when he's never really played a game in England is is you know a very shrewd bit of business. So that's that's the type of character Gino is, and and I think Suarez won't go for for a, a minimal fee, and you know you see. I know Marseille are interested, and there, there are reports of a thirteen million pound bid. I'm, I'm not sure how you know how true that is, but you have to say for for a player who scored nineteen goals last season, it's it's probably below the the valuation that that Gino will have of him. Well, let's come away from transfers for a minute and get back to the championship and. Uh... Last Saturday, Watford played their second game against Sheffield Wednesday, a nil-nil draw. It wasn't one of those exciting nil-nils that you sometimes get to watch, I think is a fair comment to say. But um, how did you view the game on that on that day, Ryan? Uh, it was, it was again, it was a difficult one to watch. Um, I, th- I think that certainly for the first half, Watford were second best. I don't think that's any uh, overstatement to, to be making there, I think. Sheffield Wednesday were were stronger and looked a lot more threatening and and Watford struggled to to keep up with them but they defended well and they kept the clean sheet and you know as as the coach said after the game it's it's important if you can't win to not lose and and they did well to to keep that clean sheet they were better in the second half they improved and and one thing I do like about Ivic is you know where um, Sanchez Flores and and Pearson before struggled or at least seemed reticent to make changes. Ivic has has no qualms about taking people off at half time or or changing the formation early on if things aren't working. And I, th- I think that's to his credit. And we saw it last night. It 
know, ultimately they didn't get the win, but they did look more impressive. And, you know, it happens against Sheffield Wednesday. They were second best. He, uh, he made changes and shifted things about a little bit at half time. And, and, you know, it, it brought out a better second half from the team. Yeah. And, 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 and it's, it's early days, but looking at that Watford side, the, the, the first team Watford side that, uh, that we're probably going to be seeing a similar resemblance to against Luton. It looked as though, at the very least, they're a tough side to break down, which is something that we haven't seen perhaps at Watford for a little while. No, I mean, especially the start of last season when it was, you know, it was 3 0 against Brighton and then was it 4 against West Ham and, and things like that. And it was just, you know, a goal mm. fest every week. And you just thought, you know, that's <laughs> something that needed to be addressed. And, you know, they. They never really did address it last season, um, and it seems like that's something that Ivic has, has sorted out. And you know, they were against Middlesbrough; they weren't great, but they kept the clean sheet and they got the goal and and, and battled and, and got the three points. And I think they are going to be a team that are are very tough to to score against. They just need to uh, improve things a bit at the other end and and sort of obviously with players like Sarf if, if he does stay which you know i i think is looking increasingly likely then they will have a really good chance this season yeah and and, and moving on to the next game it doesn't come much bigger than Luton Town right i mean it's one that the fans have been waiting for for a long time although i'm sure they'd have preferred to have been in the premier league rather than facing Luton Town but i mean do you get a sense of, of the fans looking forward to this one i think there's you know, there's there's looking forward to it, but with maybe quite trepidation because Luton have started the season really well. Um, have, so yeah. I mean, they they were beaten in the cup as well last night, but you know, against uh, a more formidable opponent um, in Man United. So no uh, no shame in that one. But you know, they've they've beaten um, Derby and they won the week before as well. They've they've, yeah. they've started they've started the season brilliantly and uh, and they they are a team who who can cause Watford some problems. Um, yeah, they're a side in form. They they I mean they're as in form as you can be two two games into a, a season. But yeah, they're, they're I think it'll be a, a a very close battle. And um, I mean. What do you think the team might look like against Luton? Is, is it difficult to say, or do you think it'll be quite similar to, to, to the team they put out against Sheffield Wednesday? I think it'll it'll have to be um, similar, simply by virtue of, of the fact that this, the squad is spread really thinly at the minute. Um, the, I think we're likely to see that back five again, and I think that's something we're going to see throughout the season, simply because you know it, it is working at the minute. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's obviously, as we've said, it's difficult to break down and. The the area that I think we could see a bit of change is the midfield. Um, okay. Obviously, you know we we spoke about Chalabar and and how sort of he's had a bit of an indifferent start and and the way Garner played the other night, I wouldn't be surprised if he's played his way into that team. Um, but it it is a it is a an area that I think needs strengthening. Kina as as you know as impressive as he's been. In the flashes that we've seen of him before this season, he's, you know, really struggled at the start of this season as as well. And when you look at the the bench, there isn't often that many options in in the midfield at the moment. There, it's an area, you know, with Capu now leaving and Hugh still out injured. 
it, it is an area, and obviously Decore on his way. There's not a lot for them there, and, and I think last night it really showed Hungbo for me really struggled in, in the game, and I wasn't surprised to see him go off at half time at all. Phillips looked okay, but you know, is is he going to be uh, able to play week in week out in the championship? I'm not quite sure he's ready for that yet. So it is an area that they need to um, need to improve, and one that could cause them a, a few problems in, until they do. Up front, it looks like it was a front three of uh, Pedro Murray and and Keener on Sheffield against Sheffield Wednesday, but. Murray has, has been struggling to to sort of get that momentum that that you really want him to to get in the championship. But when when we when we signed him on loan, I think a lot of people were were very excited. But he hasn't really displayed what he can do yet, at, at least in at least for Watford. No, he, he certainly hasn't. And you know, he's he's a player who's who's scored goals throughout his career, and I wouldn't worry about him too much at the minute. It's it's just you know a case of. Uh, I think it's a bit of rustiness and the fact that he wasn't playing week in, week out at Brighton and, you know, he's come just, just come into this team. I, d- I don't know what it is. It's really difficult to put your, your finger on why he isn't playing as, as well as we know he can. But I, th- I think come the end of the season, he could be a, a really important player. Um, I think, I don't think he was bought with a, uh, a view to him being you know the number nine and him playing week every single week and him being the the leading goal scorer I think he was brought in as as someone with a bit of experience who has scored goals throughout their career and knows you know how to how to finish particularly at this level and I think he will come good eventually but he's uh, he's got a lot of work to do to uh, to impress the Watford supporters based on what they've seen from him so far yeah con- con- contrary to, to to him though Jao Pedro, he looks a very exciting player. And every time he gets minutes, you feel as though he's getting closer and closer to opening his account this season. But um, where do you think his best position is? Do you think he's better being played up up top or, or do you think he's, he's better as a winger? I really don't know. Um, I've, I've not seen enough of him to, to be able to make a decision on where I think his best position is. But I don't think he's particularly bad in either, you know, through the middle or, or out on the wings. And... He's, I think he's someone who needs a little bit of confidence. But once he gets that, then uh, then he could really be an asset. He's shown that, I think, a bit this season already. He looks he looks a real talent. And what's really encouraging is he looks to be able to stand up to the physicality of the, the league as well. It's That's something that I think a yeah. few people might have been worried about. But he he said in the, the interview he did with the, with the club website that it was something he'd worked on during the break that he'd been bulking himself up as much as he could and preparing for that. And, you know, he, he has played in the yeah. Brazilian leagues as well, which, uh, you know, they're, they're not exactly a, a walk in the park there. They're full of these tough, you know, individuals over there. It's uh, I think it's a lot more physical than people realise over there. And so he is he's used to it. He's been playing in those games since he was 16 years old. So I'm not entirely surprised to see that he is strong enough to deal with the league but it's 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 good to see and I think it's something that will uh, will help him you know come the end of the season I think he he, he has you know every uh, every asset to, to or certainly every attribute to, to make himself an important player and something else that might help him and in, in fact the rest of the the players too is is, is is how big this game is I mean 
you'd, you'd imagine that they've been told uh, uh, by by random fans, if not by the club themselves, how important it is uh, this this game against Luton, and potentially it might fire them up a bit more. That's it. Yeah, it's uh, you want players who are who are going to get it for the big occasions, and you know I think that's where Dini, if he does play a part on Saturday, could be really important because he's someone who. Uh, has a real sense of occasion about him, and uh, you know, could could help instill that in the uh, the other players. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's one that it'll be interesting to see how uh, how the lack of fans really changes it. If uh, you know, if there is that edge to it, or 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 not. Um, but you know, it's it's the first time the te- the teams have played each other since I think about two thousand and six. So um, you know, it's certainly the ones that the one that the fans are are up for seeing anyway. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's unfortunate that they're not going to be able to see it live. Um, I'm sure they're all a bit jealous of you being able to get there, but uh, it, it 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 does sort of bring it a little bit down, doesn't it? The fact that there's not going to be actual fans inside the stadium, but potentially, uh, at least according to uh, to some sources, that could be a good thing because. There has been speculation that there could have been some trouble. I think the police have, well, I know the police have brought the game forward to try and avoid some some of that. But, um, I mean, fingers crossed for the day that, uh, you know, everyone is, is sensible and, and, and stays away and watches the game from the comfort of their own home. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it, it's one that's not going to be shown in pubs either, which I think will help with that. And, you know, any any real genuine fans will be watching the game. Um, I'd anyone i think who decides that it's uh, you know it's an excuse to to go out and have a scrap i think you know that's the police have obviously acted on something that they've been told or or something because i don't otherwise see any justification for moving a a game behind closed doors to an earlier kickoff but you know i just you 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 do as you say just hope that that people watch the game and and behave themselves <laughs> absolutely please Please do behave yourself. Just watch the game. Don't get involved in any of the silly stuff. So um, closing this uh, this little chat then, Ryan, where do you think uh, Watford should be looking at in terms of the season? I mean, everyone was saying right at the start that, um, that they're pr- promotion hopefuls, but it hasn't potentially started that way, although it's very, very early days. It is. I think until until there's the full squad there and... You you know what the the strongest starting lineup is. I don't think you can really make too many assumptions on where they're going to finish. But you know they they should at least be targeting the playoff places. I think they've they've got enough quality there, and you know it, it really depends on on how they build their squad and and if Ivic is given the two players in each position that he wants, and if he's able to uh, to get the players that he feels will uh, will help him. Um, it, if they can get that in, and if if he's happy, then I, I shouldn't see why they wouldn't wouldn't be able to push for those uh, those playoff, if not automatic promotion places. But it is going to be a really difficult season. I think some people may be expecting it to be uh, a bit of a walk in the park, but it's it's by no means going to be that, and and it's going to be an interesting season at least, and and, and hopefully a successful one. Yeah, the championship is one of those great leagues where you never really know who's going to win, who's going to get relegated. Everyone can beat everyone else and it's it's certainly exciting and, and I'm sure a lot of Watford fans are looking forward to, to that excitement, although a little bit perhaps with um, 
a trepidation knowing that um that they certainly need to improve from where they are at that's it it's 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 one if if you know you're going to do well then you'll enjoy it but you know, nobody ever knows how well they're going to do so it's it is one that will be nervous or or, or nerve-wracking until uh, until things become a little bit clearer well thanks for joining me Ryan can I push you for a a, a score prediction what what do you what do you think based on uh, but what you know I think you know Watford have it in them to to play out uh, another scrappy 1-0 win similar to, to the one against Middlesbrough um, I think they've they've got the quality at the back to to try and keep Luton out, and uh, hopefully that'll uh, that'll come off and they'll get the bragging rights. Well, I'm sure that's exactly what every Watford fan wants to hear, and hopefully they do get themselves the three points. Well, thanks again for joining me, Ryan Gray, there from the Watford Observer, and uh, Ryan is going to be bringing you all sorts of content on the Watford Observer, and you can find him at Observer Ryan to uh, to find out more information about that. Okay, so we've spoken about how much the Derby game means to Watford fans, but I bet you, like myself, have been wondering, hmm, is it still as big a game as it was for Luton fans? Do they even care anymore? Well, to help me answer that question and more, it's football journalist James Cunliffe. James, welcome to the show. I suppose we can start by jumping straight into that very question. What does the Watford-Luton derby mean to Luton fans? It means everything. It's a massive game. To put it into context, Luton just played uh, Man United and it's rare for Man United to play a lower league team to be uh, the the second most important game in a week. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's, uh, they they can't wait for this. Luton fans haven't had this for 14 years and, uh, you know, in that intervening period, uh, they're on the up now, but there's been some incredible, incredible lows in the non-league. So um, to be to be back in this division where they sort of feel they they belong um, is is something in itself. And then uh, when your boys got relegated, they were rubbing their hands together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, mean, I suppose you could make the argument that it's been a whole generation since Watford play Luton. I mean, potentially it, it could feel different on the day, maybe. Yeah, I, I think it's been sort of bred into. The, the fans though the the rivalry and mm. they've you know they've had to put up with Stevenage fans thinking that there's some sort of rivalry there and 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 Luton <laughs> going nah it's still Watford it's it's always going to be <laughs> Watford so um, yeah there'll be like there'll be teenagers that have never known it but they they yeah. still got that in their blood I think yeah I mean the well, the police clearly think that there could be an incident because uh, they've had to try to do everything in their power to prevent one and, and that includes changing the cock-off time to, to 12.30. I mean, what do you make of that? Well, it's, it's unprecedented, isn't it? <laughs> uh, a behind-closed-doors game uh, where no fans are, are presumably going to be anywhere near then um, mm. they're changing the changing the fixture time. So um, it, it, I think that sort of adds to you, adds to the answer of the first question really, shows you what it, what it really means. I think... Yeah. Uh, um, you know, there might be one or two that want to go down there just famously. Let's hope it's all about the football. Um, but yeah, it's a massive game. Yeah. Well, let's get back to the football then. In terms of last year, it was the, the first time for what must have been ages that you felt like you're back in the championship and it was an up and down season, but you just about stayed up in the end and I suppose ultimately a successful season. Oh, absolutely. You know, if you start at the beginning of the season, if you'd have told Luton they'd finish one place above relegation on the last day on goal difference, they'd have taken it because uh, 
you know, they went up two divisions in two years. Um, and it's hard to sort of realise how big that gap is. You know, people talk about it from the Championship to the Premier League. But uh, to go from the lower leagues to the Championship really quickly when you've got teams in there like Leeds who are spending huge amounts of money. I mean, people don't like to really talk about the money and say it's, it's still 11 v 11, but generally the team that spends the most amount of money does the, does the best. That's how it goes, unfortunately. So mm. um, they're, they just didn't have the budget to match it. So it was always going to be a case of just uh, trying to stay in there first, surviving that division. And then um, if they could, which they have, then try and establish themselves. So, yeah, it was a it was a baptism of fire that, that season, to say the least. But, you know, a couple of games, five games before the lockdown came, before coronavirus hit, um, they were starting to show some signs of, of turning around. They were still in the bottom three and they'd been there since Boxing Day. So I didn't really hold out much hope. And then... Um, and then it all changed in lockdown. <clears throat> they they changed the man in, manager. Nathan Jones came back, galvanised the team, and um, they've been on an amazing run since. Um, that's carried over into this season, really. Yeah, how important was it that Nathan Jones came back? Because he had such a successful time with the Hatters previously. Yeah, it's a strange one because the way he left uh, really left a bit of taste in the mouth uh, for for most Hatters, um, including the board. That I mean, they're, they're they're usually quite magnanimous, but they were they came out and, and said that they really weren't happy with the way he left for Stoke. Um, you know, luckily for Luton, uh, Mick Arthur took over and, and got them promoted uh, that season to the Championship to where they are now. So it, it really didn't have a detrimental effect on Luton, the team, Luton, the club, but the, the, the fans really disliked it. And, you know, I couldn't see it happen, happening. There, there, there was the odd rumour. There's an odd person that said, oh, we you'd have him back in a heartbeat. But because the board said, no, no way, you never thought it would happen. And then, you know, about 12 hours before it actually happened, some rumours started circulating. You're just thinking, well, really? Could it? Um, and, then, you know, then then you're in lockdown and you're you're, you're doing Zoom as we are now. So, uh, you know, I was in a, I was in a Zoom uh, meeting with the chief exec and then suddenly Nathan Jones pops up, you know. Well, it's, it's happening. So, um, yeah, there, there, I think there were a lot of fans that uh, were to be convinced uh, and there were another section of fans that were vociferously against it. And I think that's probably changed a lot now. I think there's going to be one or two that still can't forgive and forget and, you know, feel sorry for those mm. people. But most people have seen what he's done since he's come back, which is keep him up. And now they're playing some some fantastic football. So um, it is a is an incredible uh, turn of events, and ultimately it's proved to be a very shrewd move by the board to get him back because he, it, it just seems like he, him and Luton fit hand in glove, and and they just work together. Yeah, he just seems to really work well with Luton, didn't it? I mean, it didn't it didn't quite work out from when he when he left, but um, the, the the board made a big move to bring him back and. So far, it's, it's paying dividends. It's early days, but uh, they're playing some really good football. And, uh, you know, two wins from two games and, and a decent showing against a, a strong Man United side, it has to be said. I mean, it's, it's, it's all good stuff at the minute for Luton. Yeah, absolutely. It's Everything's on the up and up, really. Um, you know, boosted by survival and some 
doing that on the last, last day in the, the manner that it did. No, I mean, everybody wrote them off. Even I wrote them off at one point during the during those final nine games. Even they played they played Barnsley who were down there, and um, you know, it's one of them had to win to stand a hope of staying up, and, and they drew with each other. So the reaction of the players after the game in that one told you that they thought that the, the jig was up and they were going down. And then miraculously, both teams survived on the, on the final day. So, um, yeah, they're, they're playing some really good football. It's, it's transferred into, into this season. Uh, two wins out of two in the league, another two in the cup. They've only just got beaten, um, as we're speaking now, last night by Man United. And, and really, there's only, apart from the scoreline, there's so many positives to take out of that because... Mm. They played a second-string side essentially against a, a team of multi-million superstars, internationals. Mm. Um, had a, you know, the soft sort of dubious penalty uh, that, that put them behind, and then and then Man United couldn't really put them away. And it was only like the last last two minutes that they scored the, the other two goals, and so so it was fairly flattering and to to have that sort of. Uh, squad strength they can do that against the Man United side albeit that they've only played one game one competitive game this season they're still hugely talented players against mostly a side that were in League 2 uh, you know two two years ago so um, yeah it's really promising and in terms of shape do you think it'll be the same that it was against United or do you think it'll be more like what it was against the last championship fixture. How do you think they'll they'll come into this game against Watford? They play a little bit differently uh, away. Um, you know, Nathan Jones when he first came to Luton in League Two played one way. He told us he was going to play one way, and he did it. And that was a that was a, a diamond formation in midfield. Uh, and he didn't have to play any other way because they, they at that point they were the big fishes in the little pond, and and they just blew teams away. I think he's learned from leaving Luton and going to Stoke um, and having that experience in the Championship, you have to be a bit more adaptable. And so that's what he's kind of brought to the to the team. And, uh, you know, if you look just before, well, if you look to last season when they went away, they were sort of keeping it tight first half. Um, and even at Leeds, in fact, they, they, they played a three, three at the back and that really nullified everything that Leeds threw at them. Um, and so they've been doing that frustrating teams and then hitting them on the break. There's, they've got goals in them. Um, what, what they struggled with the last season massively was letting them in and they had the worst goal difference in the whole division until uh, Hull imploded at the end and um, took that dubious honour off them. So um, they, they've really rectified that. They went through pre-season not conceding a goal. I mean, albeit some lower league, non-league opposition in there. Um, and uh, they, they, they've come into the season doing likewise, really. I think they know that if they can keep it tight, that they've got goals in them, they can nick something. Who, who are the big players for, for, for Luton? Who should Watford fans be looking out for and hoping are uh, not available on the day? <laughs> um, well, you, you've got James Collins, who's a top scorer at the minute this season. He's been the top scorer every season since he's come, and he's... he's uh, He's a player that even the Luton fans, when he signed, some of them were dubious he could cut it in League Two. And every stage and in every division he's been in, he's proved he can cut it. He's not a flashy player. He's not going to dribble around all your your team and, and score. He's, he's probably not going to score from 
30 yards away, but he's a, he's a, he's a poacher and it, he'll, he'll get in the box. And what Luton have done now, which they didn't have too much towards uh, at the beginning of last season, is replaced the two fullbacks that they sold to um, Premier League opposition. So James Justin is now scoring for Leicester and, and Jack Stacey went to Bournemouth. And that was really the, a huge weapon in their arsenal, the, the, the flying fullbacks. And they, they lost that last season. They didn't really replace it. And they have this season. So um, they've got a chap called Reese Norrington Davis on loan for the season from Sheffield United. He looks a class act and he, he likes to whip a ball in or two. And, and he's done so in the last few games. Uh, and, and Jordan Clark, who's one of the other new signings, has, has benefited from that. So he's another one to look out for. At the minute, he's not started in the league, but he, he put in a really good shift against United. So I think he's banging on the door. And if he does get in, he, he looks class. Um, so they're the sort of the danger men. But um, it'd be interesting to see Watford's forward line against Luton's back line now because they look so much more comfortable and uh, calm and collected than they ever did last season and and they're just not giving much away they're golden hornets absolutely i think it will uh, i think it's sort of it kind of proved that way in the football league last season when uh, they were playing in front of when all teams were playing in front of no crowds and it really benefited Luton uh, at the start of the nine game period after lockdown because nobody gave them a hope against Preston at Swansea and Leeds who were all going for promotion and they got um, two wins and a draw so uh, it, it's it's. I mean it's nice to say that they went up to Ellen Road and, and did a number on them but it's a lot easier to play in front of nobody than it is in front of 40,000 uh, vociferous Leeds fans. And, mm. Uh, mm. you know, it'd be a smaller amount of Vicarage Road, but it'd be the same sort of passion and vitriol that, that came their way if there were some fans in the ground. So undoubtedly, I think it's going to play into Luton fans more. Do you think that the, the, the players themselves actually care about the, uh, about the derby or is it just another game for them? Um, <clears throat> I know the Luton fans, uh, the Luton players, sorry, will because uh, I've heard it from Nick Harford that he's going to drill it into him. And, uh, he, he, and, and to be fair, I think Nathan Jones will. And, and all the board are Luton fans as well. So mm. they, will, they will drum it into the players. That, that's why it contributes to it being such a massive game, because um, you know, from, from the ownership, from, from the top down of Luton fans, they're just in, uh, have that cultural way through the club. And, you know, the, these are, like I said earlier, these are players largely who were trying to get Luton out of League Two. So they were dreaming of big fixtures and they know that they know the importance it is of this game to fans and uh, that this is the it is the big fixture for Luton this season. How, do, how far do you think Luton can go this season? Do you think a playoffs is within reason? I think that'd be dreamland, to be honest. I, I I mean, they're playing really well at the moment. It's it's just too early days to to know. So, I, I don't think they're going to be on the evidence of what I've seen this season. I don't think they're going to be anywhere near um, struggling and scraping to stay up this season, which is exactly what they want. They just want they just want progression year on year. Um, I think they've got a, 
have a few years of being an established side and if that's going to be mid-table you know I think people would be quite happy with that if they if they got uh, a little bit better than that then I wouldn't be surprised because the the unity uh, throughout the whole club is something I've I've not known um, I mean if you just take from the last time Luton in the championship the club was in disarray dodgy owners uh, everything was going wrong but th- they've turned it around now and uh, you know right through the club there's this uh, <clears throat> togetherness and this ethos that they'll, they'll fight for each other because they, you know they, they haven't got superstar players Luton they're just they're just a very good unit together they work for each other and they fight for each other Finally, James, I always like to ask my guests to predict the outcome of the score. And uh, it's over to you. What do you think it's going to be like on Saturday? 6-0, no. <laughs> no. I'm just thinking of the FA Cup final. Sorry. Oh, yes. No. Thanks for that one. Um, no, I think it's going to be tight. Um, I, I am wary of, of Watford's because of the quality that you've got. You weren't in the Premier League for a number of years uh, without having something about you and it would have been nice if this game was perhaps a month down the line when all your big boys have um, just jumped ship before the transfer deadline <laughs> I think uh, it seems that's not the case I think it's going to be a, a tricky one I think it probably just will be who wants it more and um, I, I'm, I'm hopeful uh, but cautiously optimistic so I, I, I'd say I'm going to go for a 2-1, Luton. 2-1, Luton. Interesting stuff. I hope you're wrong, but who knows? 90 minutes of football and anything can happen. Well, thanks for joining me on the Watford Buzz podcast, James. It's been a delight to have you on, even if you are on the uh, Luton side of things. (laughs) Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Well, I'm afraid we're out of time again, but if you've liked the show, please retweet the link and post it onto our Facebook groups. Tell your mates and let's create a buzz about the Watford Buzz podcast. I've been Matt Meziano and this has been the Watford Buzz podcast. Oh,